And just another reminder, starting today and running through Friday uh, from 7.30 to 8.30 a.m. for an hour, our show is going to be uh, dedicating this three-part series looking at discrimination in various sectors of Korean society. Today, we're going to be focusing on the topic of discrimination based on sexual orientation here in Korea. We'll be talking with um, various um, citizens, activists, and journalists, and we want to get your thoughts as well on the question of whether you believe uh, the LGBT community deserves equal protection under the law. Do you think sexual minorities need legal protection from discrimination? Text us at pound 1013 for 51 in Korean or in English. Yes or no, uh, you can do that in Korean or in English, and we'll try to read it out for you. So well, that is the uh, survey that we're uh, bringing to you, our listeners, right now. You can also just give us your thoughts, your personal thoughts on the issue of discrimination uh, against gays here in Korean society. Uh, again, both pros and cons. Text us again through pound 1013 for 51. If you want to talk to us on air, you can do. I know a lot of you are uh, too shy to do so. But uh, give us your comments and questions. One thing that might um, uh, encourage you to do so, uh, we are going to be selecting five of our listeners, uh, five of the most uh, pertinent, eloquent, or compelling comments And uh, we will be giving out uh, coffee coupon vouchers worth 10,000 won. So five of our listeners will be getting a coffee coupon worth 10,000 won. So uh, text us once again at pound 1013 your thoughts on whether uh, you believe there does need to be some kind of protection uh, for discrimination against LGBT. All right. Uh, with that uh, sales pitch out of the way, let's get our news briefing started with Salmi Sorang here in the studio waiting patiently. Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. Big news. Uh, the president, Moon Jae-in, unveiled the roadmap for the uh, Korean New Deal stimulus package. And uh, the entire goal is really trying to boost this uh, Korean economy for the long term in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right. And like the American New Deal of the 1930s, there's a lot of emphasis on the need to create jobs. So for the Korean New Deal, at its center is a plan to invest over 160 trillion won and create 1.9 million jobs over the next five years. Now, this 160 trillion won is more than double that initial 76 trillion won spending plan unveiled last month in June and underscores the government's ambition to recover from the pandemic and reshape the economy. According to President Moon Jae-in, the New Deal is our new centennial blueprint, as well as a paradigm shift to leap forward into a pace-setting economic model. As we know, the New Deal has two pillars, the digital and the green New Deal. Finance Minister Hong Nam-gi outlined 28 projects yesterday that would, quote, transform the nation's fossil fuel-reliant economy into an eco-friendly one, and increase state investment in artificial intelligence and fifth-generation telecommunication services. So among other details is a plan to build nationwide 5G networks and train 100,000 people in AI. Also exciting for technophiles is the government's pledge to make 140,000 sets of data public to promote the big data industry. Right, so very exciting. Uh, A lot of money being poured in, uh, Mm -hmm. and you just uh, detailed uh, briefly... Uh, the aspects of the uh, digital New Deal. I think uh, we've talked in the past about um, uh, this uh, desire that I have on my part to maybe uh, 
get into tech and, and learn coding, teach my kids uh-huh. coding, and really kind of goes along the lines of that uh, economy de- being kind of crucial to develop those kind of skills, maybe obviate the need for those specs of like what you accomplished in mm-hmm. <clears throat> your internship or what school, mm-hmm. the, the, the prestige of uh, all the things you've accomplished and just the real kind of nuts and bolts technical skills to be right. able to get ahead uh, in the economy. Uh, that being said, there, is, there are the two main pillars that you described, uh, the digital and the Green New Deal. Can you give us details on the Green New Deal? All right. So for the Green New Deal, 73 trillion won, or roughly 45% of the New Deal budget, will be spent on the Green New Deal aspect, which includes setting up smart grids and providing 230,000 energy-saving homes and public buildings. Now, one notable aim is to gradually phase out vehicles with that internal combustion engine in favor of electric and hydrogen cars. So in terms of actual numbers, South Korea aims to have over 1 million electric vehicles and 200,000 hydrogen cars on the roads by 2025. Of course, the government will add more charging stations for these vehicles. Meanwhile, last week's Hall said that it will invest 2.6 trillion won in its own version of the Green New Deal and set a deadline of its own, 2035, to stop registering vehicles with internal combustion engines. Right. So uh, all those filling stations that we've seen uh, to get your gas tanks filled, uh, they may be a thing of the past if all of this uh, really plays out. And uh, by the uh, mid-2020s and through the uh, 2030s, we might truly see um, uh, a a very, very clean economy, at least with vehicles and Mm -hmm. some of the other aspects of the economy. Again, the question will arise, and I know that uh, this is... Something that will uh, be of debate, but 160 trillion won uh, is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Where is the funding? Where is the money coming from? Well, according to the plan, a little over 70 percent or 114 trillion won will come from state coffers, while local governments will shoulder 25 and businesses 21 trillion won each. Now, President Moon Jae-in's five-year term, as we know, ends in May of 2022. So more than half of this 160 trillion won project will be, uh, it has been earmarked to be carried out by the next administration. Mm. So whether that second half of the Korean New Deal will be implemented as planned remains to be seen because it's certainly not unheard of. It's not unprecedented for incumbent governments to scrap the previous administration's initiatives. And often um, governments of the same party, they often kind of, whether because of political rivalry of their own, uh, it's a very uh, uniquely Korean aspect of uh, Korean governance where uh, the previous administration's uh, policies and plans are mostly cast aside for Mm -hmm. the new government to really try to uh, put in their new thing. You would hope there'd be continuity here uh, that might uh, involve other things like constitutional uh, reform Mm -hmm. and some of the other changes uh, to the governmental structure. But we shall see. We're going to debate this issue uh, in more detail uh, at the end of our program with our radio salon segment. Uh, Misorang, let's move on to our next story here. Unfortunately, the uh, issue of politics and tragedy intertwining once again. The uh, opposition party is continuing to demand a thorough investigation into the late mayor of Seoul, Park Won-sun. Right, so those calling for a further investigation, they're essentially looking for clarification on two points. One, Park Won-sun's alleged sexual harassment of his secretary. And two, who leaked details of the impending probe on the mayor? So the main opposition UFP said yesterday that the probe into Park Won-sun should not be dropped just because he has died. UFP lawmaker Kim Jong-jae said that it is looking to draft a bill 
tentatively called the Pawonsun Truth Seeking Act to allow sex crime investigations to continue even after the accused has died. The UFP added that it will request a parliamentary hearing into the case, raising suspicions that the Seoul city government may have tried to conceal Park's wrongdoings. UFP floor leader Chu Ho-young said, quote, There are suspicions that senior authorities and Park Won-sun were briefed about the investigation, which, if true, amounts not only to a leak of confidential information obtained in line of duty, but also an attempt to destroy evidence. The UFP also urged Justice Minister Chumye to order the prosecution to open a special investigation. Meanwhile, for the Justice Party, leader Kim Sang-jong urged Seoul city government to launch a thorough probe into Park's harassment charges and said the police should reveal what it has learned so far and promptly investigate charges of secondary attacks on the alleged victim. Kim Sang-jong also mentioned two lawmakers from her party refusing to pay respect to Park, saying they focused on showing solidarity with the alleged victim. She added that she sincerely apologizes to both the bereaved family and citizens. Yeah, we've seen a, a bit of a fissure in the Justice Party now with uh, perhaps the old guard, which traditionally has been a little bit more cooperative with the ruling mm-hmm. uh, Democratic Party and some of these uh, new lawmakers that are uh, decidedly uh, uh, much more perhaps uh, hawkish in, in their stances, and uh, particularly in the question of uh, how to uh, remember the uh, late Seoul Mayor Park Won-soon and uh, this uh, solidarity with the alleged victim right mm-hmm. now. And uh, with Shim Sang-jung, uh, issuing the the condolences to the bereaved family, uh, we've now seen a backlash to that. Where right. one of the uh, new lawmakers were saying, "Why why are you even apologizing? Mm-hmm. There's no reason for that." Uh, that being said, for for the ruling Democratic Party, and I think they were hoping that they could just go through the mourning period, uh, lay the uh, late mayor to rest, mm-hmm. and then address political issues uh, as they come up. Uh, it's now really become a situation that's really impossible now to separate the politicization of all of yeah. this. So the, the ruling DP has now begun uh, addressing some of these uh, demands. Yeah, so as we saw uh, earlier, following Chairman Lee Hye-chan's official apology to the alleged victim, DP lawmakers, they urge the party's active and prompt inquiry to punish those responsible for the misconduct. So during an interview with KBS radio station, DP lawmaker Park Yong-jin, he said that now is the time to pay attention to the victim, adding that as long as there are those that are suffering, the case is not closed. Fellow Representative Kwak Sang-do, chairman of the DP's internal group set up to investigate sex crimes, said that he will be vigorously clarifying the truth about MeToo cases involving party members so that they can receive severe punishment. Meanwhile, a civic group called Hwalbindan said yesterday that it filed a complaint to the Supreme Prosecutor's Office to investigate unidentified officials within the police and Chongwade about suspicions that they had tipped off Park about the probe. Yeah, and in addition to this, the police are uh, looking into some of the uh, forensic evidence. Uh, they have uh, in possession uh, the late mayor's uh, smartphone, and mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to get into it to, to get to some of the um, contents of the phone. Just want to clarify because I think there is some uh, misunderstanding here. They're not trying to get into the messages and get into the sordid details uh, addressing the allegations that are raised by the former secretary. Mm-hmm. What they are trying to investigate right now officially are the circumstances leading to um, Park Won-sun's death mm-hmm. and, and how that happened and whether there are clues uh, in the 
in the um, evidence that they can find in the phone. Uh, one aspect of this is uh, just in a uh, technological sense is that it's an iPhone and these are encrypted and they're very mm-hmm. difficult to crack through. We've seen cases in the U.S. where the FBI have not been able to get yeah. in. They were demanding a backdoor from Apple mm-hmm. to, to get in. So, uh, And Apple has refused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so it remains to be seen whether they are actually going to get to that evidence. I know that the opposition would like to see it also to kind of maybe dig up a bit more uh, dirt on this mm-hmm. issue. But uh, certainly not the last that we'll talk about that uh, yeah. unfortunate tragedy. Uh, let's talk the economy now. Next year's minimum wage, perhaps to the dismay of a lot of the uh, labor activists, has been now set at 8,721 per hour. Mm-hmm. So this equates to a 1.5% increase from the current wage of 8,591. So 1.5%, this is the smallest ever annual increase since minimum wage was introduced back in 1988. This is even smaller than the 2.7% increase in 1998 during the Asian financial crisis. According to the Minimum Wage Commission, up to 4 million workers will now be affected by this hike. The decision came in the early hours of yesterday during the Commission's ninth plenary session and seems to be in favour of mom-and-pop stores and small and medium-sized businesses. So this 1.5% figure, it was based on a 0.1% growth outlook and a 0.4% consumer price hike projected for 2020, as well as 1% factoring in the need to improve the livelihood of workers. By law, the Labour Minister is required to announce the new minimum wage publicly by August 5th, and the new rate will come into effect on the first day of next year. And most politicians, as they run for office, especially uh, for the office of the presidency, uh, they have a lot of campaign pledges and mm-hmm. uh, they do try to implement uh, these uh, campaign pledges and, and meet those uh, promises uh, to their best ability, uh, depending on the uh, president uh, that is in power. Uh, this is one of those policies uh, as a campaign pledge that has now fallen by the uh, wayside. Mm-hmm. He did promise to increase the minimum wage by a very nice symbolic round figure yeah. of <laughs> 10,000 won per hour by the year 2020. That's obviously not going to happen. That's right. I mean, for a while, this goal, 10,000 won, uh, so it was a wage hike by 55%. That that goal did seem feasible Mm. because we had double-digit per annum increases for both 2018 and 2019. Right. But since then, the rate hikes, they've essentially ground, well, big uh, hikes anyway, they have essentially ground to a halt amid strong backlash from business sector and the coronavirus pandemic. So in the end, the average per annum minimum wage hike for the Moon Jae-in administration works out to be 7.7%. This is higher than Im Yong bak administration's 5.2%, but similar to Park Geun-hye administration's 7.4%. Right. And we're going to hear a lot of accusations and calls of uh socialism and uh, the welfare state, particularly with this uh, Korean New Deal, uh, we would have heard it a lot with the minimum wage. But as you say, just going by the numbers, uh, a fairly pedestrian Mm -hmm. sort of uh, increase that we've seen here, not atypical of any other previous uh, presidency as far as minimum wage is concerned. Mm -hmm. Let's turn over to the U.S. Uh, This was actually updated uh, overnight, uh, uh, and uh, we do have the new developments here Uh, The Trump administration now reversing course on this controversial announcement uh, that would have banned international students, uh, including a large number of Korean students, who only take online courses 
basically kicking them out of the yeah. country. Mm-hmm. So this reversal it comes uh, around a week after Immigration and Customs Enforcement, U.S. that is, announced that students at universities offering only on- online courses due to the coronavirus pandemic would need to either leave the country or transfer schools. Mm. Uh, students could have faced deportation if they didn't follow. So to this, Harvard and MIT, they filed suits against the policy, saying that it was created unlawfully and goes against previous guidance from federal immigration officials. More than 200 universities in the U.S. were in support of this lawsuit. Well, on Tuesday local time, U.S. District Judge in Massachusetts said the government and the two universities came to a settlement that would rescind the new rules and restore the previous status quo. And that is... Perhaps good news uh, in regards to the case surrounding a Korean student who was barred from entering the U.S. Mm -hmm. So this was the first known case of a Korean student being denied entry since that announcement was made. So this this student in question, he attends DePaul University in Chicago and was returning to the U.S. from Korea. He was stopped at San Francisco International Airport on the grounds that he had not registered for classes and, quote, thus could not establish that at least some of his coursework would be in person. To this, Korea's foreign ministry said yesterday that it is looking into the issue and that it's providing consular assistance through diplomatic missions in the U.S. so as to minimize damage for Korean international students. Right, so a bit of a reprieve here for this overarching kind of comprehensive push by the Trump administration to really bar uh, many forms of legal, we're not talking about illegal, but legal immigration and using COVID-19 sort of as the wedge to to get that uh, pushed through. We're going to stay with the U.S. Misorang for our next story. And this is kind of indirectly related to the Korean New Deal because, again, a lot of people are going to cry foul about uh, fiscal spending and and deficits and how uh, Korea is being irresponsible. Well, uh, again, this is all relative because the U.S. (laughs) budget deficit has hit a record $864 billion for the month of June. That is about five or six times more than the increase of the total cost of this proposed uh, Korean New Deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, The federal government there obviously pumping huge sums of money into the economy, uh, hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, and if we have a look at the overall budget, not just for the month of June, the federal deficit was almost $1 trillion US dollars to begin with in 2019. And this ballooned threefold to nearly $3 trillion just in the first nine months of the 2020 fiscal year. As you mentioned, this is a direct result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the Congress's consequent efforts to build a safety net, to weave a safety net to protect workers and businesses from bankruptcy in the form of unemployment benefits, small business loans and direct financial aid to affected families. So this budget deficit, unfortunately, it's only expected to grow in the coming months because the surge in coronavirus caseload in the country portends prolonged economic damage. Hmm. Well, uh, they are going to be dealing with that uh, for quite some time as uh, we look uh, uh, likely they will be spending more money in the months ahead. Turning back to Korea, finally now, the Blue House is rebutting a, a local newspaper's claims that uh, they gave special treatment to a production agency with personal ties to the uh, well-known protocol secretary, Tak Hyun-min. Mm-hmm. So the newspaper in question is Han Gyore. It ran an article in yesterday's newspaper that a production agency won contracts for 22 Chongwade and government events since President Moon Jae-in came into power. 
and that this production agency made 3 billion won in sales in the process, despite being a young company. Now, 15 of the 22 contracts were what we call sui geak, or private contracts. The production agency in question is called No Boundary and was founded back in 2016 by Li and Tang, two people who used to be assistant directors at protocol secretary Takyun Min's company, Takyun Min Production. So to these claims, Tongwadae spokesperson Kang Min Sok spoke out yesterday, and he said that the report was exaggerated, pointing out that only three of the 22 events were organized by the Blue House. Kang added that during the time Takyun Min served as an administrative official, the Blue House hosted hundreds of events, point being that winning contracts for three out of hundreds is not special treatment. And as for the private contracts, spokesperson Kang said that such is the standard for events that the president is attending because of security concerns. All right, uh, we'll see if that issue is now put to bed. Mi Sorang, as always, thank you very much for the hard work. Talk to you again soon. Thank you.